are getting started a little bit later. Oh, hey there, folks. You're listening to a bonus episode of Service from Hell, which is a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm action writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm going to be discussing something pretty unique today. I have been asked repeatedly by either people in my life or some listeners have asked and just general conversations with people about the unemployment situation. And I've just heard also unrelated to the podcast, casual conversations that people have been bold enough to have around me or with me or about me in regards to the extra $300 that is being given by the federal government, or should I say was being given out by states after the federal government provided it for them, in addition to people's baseline unemployment pay. And I'm going to be honest, I have been just really frustrated, filled with rage is really what I keep saying, when I hear people talk about it who it doesn't affect and who have no idea what they're talking about. And who, when pressed about, well, what's the military budget for the country? And they don't know that in 2021, the budget request was for $740.5 billion for national security, $705.4 billion of which was for the Department of Defense. People don't know that. And when you want to have that conversation that I'm certainly not ready to have on this comedy podcast, and I don't think most people in my life are ready to have with me, but it, I find it to be maybe an unfair comparison, but it, it just, that's the thing that I think that when we're told what we should be outraged about, and it is very frustrating when people mention talking points to me, and I have discussed with other people who are on some sort of minimum wage job or were prior to the pandemic and now are on unemployment, how embarrassing it is for people to say terrible shit to us. And by the way, it's not embarrassing for us. It's embarrassing for y'all because when pressed with budgetary concerns, like I just mentioned, or any sort of fact checking, there's a lot of, you know, about face, turnaround, backtrack, I don't know, uh, uh, and uncomfortable conversations. And it just, it just frustrates me. And I felt like it was really important to discuss this. And so this is going to be an enormously boring episode for people that don't like a bunch of facts. But if you normally listen to podcasts that actually fact check themselves and mention a lot of boring statistics, you're going to be right at home. So for all of my slew nerds that casually listen to this podcast, perk up because you're about to get a bunch of math all up in your face, well, really your ears, and it's presented by me. Also, I wanted to mention that in the show notes, you are going to, because I am petty and annoying, but also don't want to rep misrepresent information ever, you're going to see a boatload of just, it'll be a sampling really of the links that I use to research this episode, because unlike most of the episodes in this very breezy, casual comedy podcast, I don't have to do much research. I get to just talk about funny people and talk with funny people about their life experience. And they really do the heavy lifting. I mean, if you pay attention to most podcasts, the host really doesn't have to do much. So not to brag, but I usually get to sit back and relax. And this was not one of those episodes. And I thought initially, as I've shared... <laughs> 
with some of the patrons on Patreon, I initially thought, well, I'm not going to have to do much work for this. I'll just put casual sort of quips and side notes and make, I don't know what you'd call it, like bullet point notes for myself. And then I started doing the rabbit hole deep dive of a lot of this research and just, as I mentioned, became filled with rage. So I, I, I thought, well, I need to actually write this out. And so as I have already warned you and will warn you again, this will probably be kind of boring if you don't like statistics or if you yourself are frustrated and on the receiving end of some of these really uncomfortable and incredibly entitled unemployment conversations with people. This may arm you with some some stats that you can just, you know, casually bring up to ruin a dinner or whatever. But hey, you know what? If you want to make a big claim and you want to make a talking point to me, no problem. I welcome that. But I'm going to slap you in the face with some facts. And the problem is, is I won't speak up if I don't, if I'm not at the ready with a bunch of facts that I can back up and cite sources for. And how often does that happen in casual conversation when you're sharing apps at Chili's? Like you just don't, I don't think to bring my notebook with bullet points. I'm going to in the future, y'all. So get ready for some real unpleasant dinners with your girl because <laughs> I've had it. I've had it. Okay, so that's the reason that this episode is being called the unemployment episode, the revolution is being televised. Probably just going to call it the unemployment episode, but the revolution is being televised. We, You are getting to see in real time. This is the positive side of social media, in my opinion, and the fact that there's so much content creation. You're getting to see in real time what it actually looks like when these numbers are broken down. So this episode should help you stop talking out of your ass. And if you're one of our lovely listeners, which I'm sure you are, that doesn't talk out of your ass and knows that unemployment matters and knows that most of us are not abusing the system, thank you. Please keep supporting us. And here are some facts to make you sound like a really educated asshole is what I'm going for. I really want more people to be mean to the people that just spout off bullshit. All right, let's get started. Okay, so as with all things, everybody knows I like a lot of quotes, but my favorite quotes as of late have been, oh, people just don't want to go back to work or people are so lazy. This just shows that when the government gives out money, people take advantage there are so many people gaming the system. We need to eliminate the extra $300. Those people, those people are taking from the government dole outs and force them into working again. If they didn't get to be lazy, then they would have to go back to work. Their laziness is hurting the economy. I'm getting so I'm literally sweating reading these quotes because these are quotes that I've heard in real time from real real humans in my face and also that I've just heard in general or you know rolled through conversations where I've heard it and it takes everything in me not to be soups inappropriate but now here's one of my favorite quotes and this is by Thomas Jefferson I know he can be controversial but he's an OG for this quote whenever there is in any country uncultivated lands and unemployed poor, it is clear that the laws of property have been so far extended as to violate natural right. The earth is given as a common stock for man to labor and live on. If, for the encouragement of industry, we allow it to be appropriated, we must take care that other employment be furnished to those excluded from the appropriation. If we do not, the fundamental right to labor the earth returns to the unemployed. Thomas Jefferson. 
Okay, so as of 2021, the popular and this here's where it gets boring, y'all, as if the Thomas Jefferson quote didn't really open the door for a rousing, good, good, fun time of a podcast. I'm done apologizing for it, though. That's the last time you're going to hear me say that. As of April 2021, the population of the U.S. is, get ready for this, 331,449,281 people. And I want to say that was of April of 2021. So please do not come at me hard with, well, by the time you listen to this episode, it's quadruple that or whatever it is because of all the COVID babies. As of April 2021, the U.S. unemployment rate is 6.1% of the population. So I did the math because I'm a hero, and that equals about 20,218,406 people, So, which is, like I said, 6.1% of the population. As of 2021, about 4,593,559 people are employed in the fast food restaurant industry in the U.S., and as of December 2020, 13 million Americans work in hospitality and leisure in what is called the hospitality and leisure industry. And this is per the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. As of March 26, 2021, 24 states have ended what is being called the bonus $300. So that was what was in addition to the unemployment that we all filed for that was slated federally to be able to, to run until September of 2021 under the American Rescue Plan, which that passed in March of this year. When asked directly, Labor Department officials from the Washington, D.C. offices stated that they are unable to force the states that are not paying the survival wage is what I call it or that extra 300 to out to the residents of each state as the states themselves have the autonomy and the state governments have the autonomy to choose whether or not they want to do it, which is why as of the time of this recording, which was which is Wednesday evening, the uh, May 26th of 2021, 24 states have signed up to no longer give that extra $300. So I just want to point that out <laughs> because... That makes me crazy. And so I'm going to be referencing, there's an article in the Washington Post that was written, or that is written by Eli Rosenberg. And it's just a super well done article. And he traveled all over the country getting quotes from people in regards to hospitality in the restaurant industry and how sort of individuals were affected, which is always an effective journalistic choice. So I applaud it. And the article actually posted on May 24th, 2021. So as of the time of this recording, two days ago, and it's called, it's entitled The Final Straw, Pandemic Pushes Restaurant Workers Over the Edge. And like I said, it's in the Washington Post. And he writes about various cases, so it's kind of it's an eclectic mix, but he's addressing this mythology that people just don't want to work. So he opens the the article, and you should read it. It's really worth your time. But there's the story of a gentleman named Jim Conway who's in his 60s at the time of the article, and he started working in the American restaurant industry back in 1982, so literally 39 years ago or almost four decades and at that time, when he started working, he was making $2.13 an hour plus tips back in 1982. When I waited tables anywhere but California, that is exactly what I made per hour. So I don't know about you, but I can tell you what $2.13 an hour without tips is. $2.13 an hour at an average 
average of 35 hours per week because something that is really fun is that a lot of these restaurants or a lot of areas of hospitality will only let you work around, I think it's 32 hours actually. I was being generous by 35 because they still want to count you as a part-time employee so that they don't have to offer you benefits. It's really great. So 213 an hour with a 35-hour week is about $74.55 a week, which is great. And then that equals out to $298.22, I'm sorry, and 20 cents a month, which is an annual pre-tax. All of this is pre-tax. By all, by the way, all of these numbers are going to be pre-tax. That leaves you with an annual salary of a whopping $3,578.40. Now, of course, people are going to tip because that's our culture. So, I mean, you don't have to just live on $3,000. Now we're going to get into the some super fun facts. So I wanted to explain what was going on with our federal minimum wage. And I just, I think it's important to note that in the history of minimum wage, In 1956, it was a dollar an hour, which I don't know, maybe houses were like five bucks. So that seems probably reasonable. In 1974, which is just shy of 20 years later, it went up to two whole dollars an hour. So calm down, everybody. That's an enormous amount of money. In 1996, also almost 20 years later, it went all the way up to a whopping $4.75, Please don't spend it all in one place, (laughs) but you could. Then in 2009, which is 13, right? Uh Uh-oh, Kate can't do math. Yeah, that's 13 years later. It went all the way up. Now that's faster progress to $7.25. That was in 2009. Well, that was the last time that the federal minimum wage was raised, 2009. I just wanted, oh, did you not hear me say it? I'll say it again. The last time the federal minimum wage in the United States was raised was in 2009, which is great. So since we're going back to breaking down facts and the numbers, the average rent in 2021. Now, when I say these averages, if they are specific to a state, I do clarify that. So average rent in the United States in 2021 is $1,610. So $1,610 for a one bedroom. I did not. I don't know the dimensions of that one bedroom. Average healthcare costs in the United States as of 2021 are $495 a month. Average gallon of gas is $3.98 per gallon. So that's roughly $47.76 for a full tank. That's if you only have a 12-gallon tank. Some of y'all drive crazy cars and you have like, I don't know, 87-gallon tanks or whatever. But for most of us, we have a 12-gallon tank. The average utility bill in the country is $240 per month for renters and $400 per month for owners. Now, come on. Most of us working in hospitality could never afford to own. What were we thinking? How dare we? So the total... Oh, and you'll notice I've left out food, clothing, any sort of medical emergency, car maintenance, just any basic necessities because how dare you? That total is $2,440.52. That's filling your gas tank at the 12-gallon average twice in the month. If you drive more than that and you fill it once a week, I didn't do that math. You, you all can figure that out. Okay, so with the federal minimum wage being seven to a whopping $7.25 an hour, 
a 35 hour week average take home. Now, again, that's usually 32 so that they don't have to count you as full time, which feels great. But I'm doing 35 because I want to make a point. The average take home on that salary is $253.75. Now that's per week, right? So there's four whole weeks in a month. Well, what's that total, Kate? Don't worry, I did it for you. Get excited. That total is $1,015 for the month. Well, if you did the little math or if you if you rewind the tape, as I mentioned, the total without food, filling up your gas tank twice, is $2,440.52. Well, that leaves you in a bit of a deficit, right around $1,400 missing. You don't have it. And that's $1,400 missing just to live. You haven't fed yourself or your babies yet. And that's a family living in a one bedroom. We're doing great. Oh, but Kate, you're being insane. Not everyone lives in an expensive city on coastlines. And I assumed you were going to say that. So you know what, Karen, you're correct. Not everyone does. So let's just look at Ohio for a point of comparison because I've been here for a year. I grew up here. OH, baby. Uh, And also because I don't want you to come at me with any sort of nonsense. So average. Now this is these, the next four categories that I'm going to mention in the total I'm going to give you is going to be for Ohio specifically in 2021. Okay. Rent in 2021 for an 839 square foot apartment, which can be either a studio or a one bedroom. But for me, that's like palatial. That may as well be a house from what I'm used to is $818 per month. Healthcare average in 2021 in Ohio for the lowest cost, worst covered minimum single person plan is $280 a month. Gas in 2021 here averages to $2.26 a gallon. That was as of January 2021. So that leaves you with $27.12 to fill up on a 12 gallon tank. A utility bill in 2021 is $106.12. That's electric only, though, because I just really, you know, who, who needs more than that, right? Who showers? The total without clothing, food, or water, okay, is $1,258.36 for living in Ohio. But as you know, from what I said previously, you're still at around a $200 deficit because the the federal minimum wage, you're still only taking home $1,015. Oh, but that's also pre-tax. So you're not seeing all of that. But, you know, again, the model listed above is just with that, you know, so who who, who needs you're you're exactly $243.36 short of basic survival. And listen, it's an accelerated diet plan. You're trying to lose that that COVID weight. All you got to do is go back to work. And no, it's not because you're on your feet all day. It's because you can't feed yourself because the minimum wage is super low. But, you know, it's fine. I'm so upset. I'm being condescending. I'm going to change my tone. I probably will go back to that. So before you tell me, (laughs) before you tell me, yeah, but Kate, you at the top, you mentioned that this was predicated on the, you know, get rid of the extra $300 because, oh, (laughs) I probably should have opened with this for our international listeners in you. You probably already know because you all do a much better job of paying attention to international news. But in the United States, we had a base level unemployment. And then during this pandemic time, each week we have gotten an extra $300, which is $1,200 extra for the month. And uh, as I mentioned, a lot of states are starting to slowly take that away, which has just been really lovely because they're claiming that there's a labor shortage because people would rather stay at home because of the quotes that I said earlier. They're lazy. They don't know what they're, you know, they'd rather watch TV or whatever they think, oh, poor people can do, whatever. 
So before you tell me I didn't do the math on unemployment money, I did. So shut your faces. But I'm doing so much math on this episode that my like head is crisscross and my eyes are going cross. So I wrote it all out. So that's why I sound really scripted because I was afraid that I was going to mess up. And that is also why, like I mentioned, I'm going to put in the show notes where I got everything. So anyway, I'm going to use Ohio as an example once again, just so that we are all understanding in the same level. The average amount of money coming in from unemployment in Ohio, this is now this is like pre-pandemic, this is just the average for the state in regards to unemployment. It can range from a minimum of $135 a week to a full maximum of $480 per week. That was pre-pandemic. Unemployment in Ohio is calculated by dividing your total wages earned during the base period from any employer who pays unemployment contributions which isn't all of them, by the total number of weeks worked during the same base period for the same employers. So for example, if you make $32,000 total from this employer, that's divided over 32 weeks, and then the average weekly rate for that employer would be $1,000, right? So then they calculate your unemployment based off of that. However, the result of this calculation cannot exceed the utmost weekly benefit permitted by rule. So you'll never get, in this in this example, more in Ohio than $480 per week. Okay, that was pre pandemic. Now with the added 300, which will be gone by the time this episode airs in Ohio specifically, it would range then from $435 base to $700 per week or $1740 up to $2800 per month. So that averages from either $20,880 annually to up to a whopping $33,600 annually. That's assuming you get the entire benefit amount allotted plus the $300 and you've been on for a year. Without this extra $300 per week, that is up. So it start if you are not getting the pandemic relief, it goes from the max you can get annually is $6,480, which don't spend that all in one place, up to $23,040 per year. How many listeners have I lost in the last 20 minutes of this episode. I think it's probably 20. I don't even know. I haven't edited it yet. I'm just like barfing in anger in real time. If you're still listening, high five yourself, strap on a cape, tell your friends that this is indicative of the tone and fun of the podcast always is me rage screaming into the mic and just spitting out a bunch of numbers. You are already welcome. So the same Washington Post article that I referenced earlier goes on to state the restaurant industry has 1.7 million fewer jobs available than before the pandemic. And so as a direct pull from this article, so they, as I mentioned, they interviewed a bunch of current and former employees and they're saying that, you know, some, some people stated that they left, like they wanted to change careers. So they're not planning on going back to hospitality. Others said that the jobs didn't pay them enough to make ends meet, so that's why why put themselves at risk now. But most people stated that the pandemic was, quote, an awakening of sorts. And they stated also, quote, realizing that long-held concerns about the industry were valid and compounded by the new health concerns. Forced to stop working or look for other jobs early on in the pandemic, many realized they had other options. The staffing issue was actually, uh, sorry, this is a new paragraph and a new quote, the staffing issue was has actually a lot more to do with the conditions that the industry was in before COVID and people not wanting to go back to that, knowing what they would be faced with and a pandemic on top of that, said Crystal Meyer, 
36, a restaurant worker in Austin who's become more active in the industry's labor issues in the past year. People are forgetting that restaurant workers have actually experienced decades of abuse and trauma. The pandemic is just the final straw. I mean, I have a whole podcast built around the abuse, <laughs> for being honest. And then later in the article, there is a they interview a gentleman named Alan Creasy, who's a 39-year-old bartender in Memphis. And he said, in my opinion, it's because the server's minimum wage hasn't changed. There is a belief that servers and bartenders are interchangeable. Yes, because of turnover. That was in response to, you know, basically what I should have clarified is this whole episode is dealing with the fact that they are claiming that there's a labor shortage and people are so upset that, you know, people should just get back to work. How dare they just be on the take? And so these this article that was super well written in The Washington Post is talking about why people aren't going back. And it's not as black and white as people would rather Netflix and chill. It's more the things that have been listed above so succinctly. And there's a gentleman that's quoted in the article who's his quote I love the most. So I'm saving it as the last quote of the art of the episode, but his name is Nathaniel Santiago and he works at McDonald's in Florida. And he also said that low wages are paying a role because he also, God bless you, Nathaniel, had to move back in with his parents last year after losing his job because he was working in manufacturing. And then he ended up transitioning into McDonald's where he was making $11 an hour, which they did the math in this article, which is $1,760 per month for full-time work with no health care. And that's about $4 an hour below what's estimated to be a living wage for a single person with no children in that specific area. So and when we say a livable wage, by the way, I just want to clarify that that means you are meeting the basic standards of living, like no frills, doesn't mean vacation, doesn't mean new shoes every time you want them and not, you know, we are greedy. I don't want to get into the nuance of this country and all the things that need to change with capitalism. But I just want to point out this argument is so invalid and it makes me so frustrated of this take away the $300. Bitch, have you worked a job like that before? Have you ever worked a minimum wage job? And if you had, were you married? Did you have somebody else helping you out? Were you living with your parents? And I'm not throwing stones because I can live on unemployment because I am. I, I just, it's so, it makes me so frustrated because it's just a talking point and you don't understand the people that you're hurting when you say something like that. And you also don't actually know what you're talking about. It is, it is astounding to me how, I mean, COVID showed us this, how we will turn on each other so that either the government or the employer can actually, you know, be, be given some grace. It's like, when do we give each other grace? When do we give employees grace? And, you know, it's unconscionable that this country has billionaires or that any country does. It's unconscionable. And during this pandemic, the billionaires became even more, saw more billions. I, I just, everybody uses Jeff Bezos as the example or Elon Musk or like the Kardashians as examples of, oh, they're billionaires. And that's so crazy. But I think because billion is such a far off concept for most of us, we just say the word and it doesn't really penetrate. But the numbers that I'm saying in this episode are real. And this is what, you know, you really do want your iced coffee from McDonald's. And you don't, you were like, well, the McDonald's coffee is cheaper than Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks offers health insurance. I'm not here to defend Starbucks. They're also a corporation, but they arguably seem to be paying a living wage, although I've never worked there, so I can't speak to it directly. But the things I've read suggest that. 
and they offer their employees health insurance. And some of the big corporate chains and restaurants say that they offer health insurance. I worked for one that claimed that, but they would never schedule me enough hours where I would qualify. And I was desperate. And I said, well, what if I pick up enough shifts in the week? And they said, it goes by quarter. So even if for two months I picked up all the extra shifts and was able to work the 40 hours, if by the third month I didn't, I didn't qualify for insurance. And so I ended up getting insurance on my own. And that was costing me then $200 a month that now cost me 300. And it just, I feel like people don't, people just talk and they just repeat these particular talking points and you don't actually know who you're affecting or what you're saying. And we all want the cheapest coffee or the cheapest groceries or the cheapest clothing and we all, we all, the cheapest vacation, like we all are fighting for things to be cheaper. And Amazon built an entire model around the idea that the cheaper that it is, the more you can pump out, the more people will buy. And you did the same to customer service workers, but particularly people in restaurants and hospitality. Like we all did it. It was like, I want the most, I, I feel entitled to, you know, fill in the blank or you're going to earn this tip. You're going to sing for your supper. And oh, if they don't come back to the table quickly enough, that's a buck off the tip because it's some like warped sense of power that you seem to feel that somewhere in your life, you don't feel power. So you feel power over this employee who you know literally can't pay rent unless you gift them with free money. I, I just, I, and I, I know this topic is going to have to change on this podcast because everyone's probably getting sick of hearing about it. But I was so affected by people just looking me in the face and saying they just need to get rid of the extra 300 a week. And it's like, you don't actually know what you're talking about and you don't know what those numbers break down to. Now you do if you listen to this episode and you're dripping with shame. And I wasn't here to cause shame for people, maybe a little bit. But I mean, I don't know many places apart from, you know, maybe other parts of the world where $33,000 is an annual income. And that is if you are maxing out unemployment in Ohio and getting the pandemic relief on top of that. That is the most money you will make. So uh, this attitude that all of a sudden people are becoming millionaires on unemployment is a fallacy. And you sound stupid when you say it. And this is probably going to abandon me from some listeners, but I, I just, it's personal. It's so deeply personal. And as you, if you have been following, which a lot of you have, and I'm so grateful for you all, if you've been following this, the journey of this podcast, like it was just a comedy podcast where I interviewed funny people. And then the pandemic hit and I went from biweekly to weekly, which because I had the time to do it and I had the passion and I really wanted to, and I'm so grateful it happened. And you guys know the quarantine crew that started with Punky and Lee, you know, it, it ended up being the thing that got me through that time and got a lot of, I, I had it so much easier than so many people. I'm not complaining. I think that time was, I only make reference to those episodes because it punctuates what I'm saying now. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, it's probably hard to listen. I have had listeners say it's actually kind of hard to listen to those episodes now because they're also in it. And they've, they've told me, you know, six months from now, when things are sort of back to normal, we'll go back and listen. But those episodes are also chaos. I'm only referencing them because we break down in real time what it was like to find out you lost everything overnight. And, you know, I discuss moving and, and, you know, there's just, there's so much that happens. I mean, Punky's bitch ass booked SNL during that time. So but I don't feel too bad. But in the beginning, when it was so unknown for all of us, it, it was 
overwhelming and the financial piece was overwhelming. And I just, I, I, I think this is sort of, I don't want to keep talking about COVID. I don't want this to be like exactly what I've told my comic friends. Please don't make your first sets back on stage all about COVID. We're living it in real time. We don't want to hear about it. And I know I've discussed it a shitload on the podcast and I, it's, it's just the reality. So I should take my own advice. I am a bit of a hypocrite, but I just, I think that I found it so important to discuss this because A, it's personal and B, most people will hear a talking point and we're all busy and we're all grieving and we're all overwhelmed and we're all walking through this time together that some of us don't have the energy, myself included, to always fact check the things that are presented. So we sometimes just say, oh, fuck it. Like, I can't, okay, I'll, I'll take that as true. Or if a friend sends me a link, I'm like, I trust this friend. I'm going to assume they did the fact checking. I'm not going to do it myself. I'm super guilty of that. So I'm I'm not, I'm not like a in an ivory tower in this setting, but I am someone that is directly, repeatedly and weakly affected by the financial anxiety that comes from this whole time and not knowing. And the thought of that extra $300 going away is overwhelmingly scary. And I don't have rent. I cannot imagine for my friends that are still in LA and trying to cobble together some sort of living and have had to try and do it this whole time, which God love them. I do not know how any of y'all listening in LA right now who were in my same situation. I don't know how one of you survived this time, paid rent, did anything. I don't know how you all did it. And probably some of you, I don't want to know. No judgment. But for me, I think it's such an important reminder that you you don't always know the situation. And even if you see it presented in the news, if you know someone that is quote unquote on the take, whatever, speak to them, ask them about it, ask them for real numbers. Most people, myself included, will be transparent about that and explain, oh no, you're misinformed. It is impossible to live on X amount of dollars. Here's what I'm actually bringing in. You know, here's how it how I can afford to live. And I just... Yeah, I wanted to spend time clarifying this. And God bless Eli. I think it's Rosenberg. I know I said it at the top of the episode. Now I can't find where I wrote it. But God bless Eli who wrote that article for the Washington Post because it it humanized it a bit. And I was super grateful that they were he was able to gather some sort of face for it. It is Eli Rosenberg. And humanize this experience because as is mentioned in the article, the abuse that we all walk through, that we choose to walk through for, you know, an adjustable schedule for those of us who are in the arts or a nighttime schedule also for those of us in the arts, the things we will tolerate because it's fast cash and it's tips and it's immediate is wildly different or than, than what COVID sort of opened our eyes to and taking this much time off. It was, I think a lot of, as the article say, states, a lot of awakenings happened where it was thinking the thought of co-signing on your own abuse again becomes too much. And it's literally just because of the power dynamic of a tip. I mean, I jokingly, as one of the questions in the regular podcast, I have a question that's, you know, have you ever told a customer to fuck off? And I, the question's funny and it's meant to be lighthearted and whatever, but what I really am doing is selfishly trying to get some like sort of live vicariously 
through the person who actually did stand up for themselves. If you all listen to Christopher Plackett's recent episode where he dropped a full-on Mott's apple juice case of apple juice on a woman's table because she waited for, he said, five, 10 minutes to get an apple juice and he was slammed and it was obvious he was slammed. And so she called the manager over and said, this is atrocious. Uh, You know, I can't wait this long. So, I mean, you know, God bless him. But when he told that story, I was like, hell yes, Like, give me some of that energy. Yes, please. So that is why that question's in there. But it's only because the abuse has been normalized. And I have an episode that I record that I keep referencing that I swear I'm going to release at some point. But in that episode, I talk about a girl literally trying to push me down the stairs at the comedy store because she was not going to pay her bill and I wanted her to pay her bill. That is why she tried to push me down a flight of fucking stairs. I can laugh about it and I joked about it, but I am horrified that that they weren't banned, that that didn't like nobody followed up with me to be like, hey, are are you good? Like, you know, do you want to talk about what happened? Are you okay? I just... I'm floored at the things that we accept just because we have to survive. And I mean, (laughs) you know, I don't drive a Maserati. I'm not, you know, I'm not going on crazy vacations all the time. It just to try and cobble together some kind of life by doing the jobs that so many people benefit from. It's astounding to me the number of people that have an opinion about us getting back to work. Kiss my ass immediately. You don't know what you're talking about. You haven't done the job that we do or are currently doing, and you certainly aren't doing it now in the pandemic if you're talking like that, and you haven't received unemployment. And I qualified for unemployment because I've been paying into unemployment my entire professional life, as have most of the people for their entire professional lives that have received it during this time or previously. We paid into it. I I mean... Get mad at the billionaires that are evading taxes or the churches that never pay tax or, you know, your rich friends, parents who have figured out how to avoid paying taxes or claim dependents that aren't theirs. Get mad at former politicians or current politicians who are doing the same shit. Stop getting mad at the powerless people and get mad at the right people. The revolution is being televised. I will say the pictures that I've seen uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that have been that Dollar Tree store picture that went viral where people had posted uh, that typed out, sorry, yeah, we're not coming to work or the McDonald's outside of it that had the, we can't find enough people to work. Please be patient with us. You know, and people that are joking, it's ridiculous that are not even joking. They're so serious that these fast food restaurants have to have to shorten their hours because people won't work. Ask yourself why. Nobody's getting rich off of unemployment, even with the extra $300. But what you want to force people back into is unliving wages, wages that are just, eh, you're here, we'll give you this, without factoring them in with no benefits, they can't get health care, and then you're the same people that get mad that these people go to the emergency room for general health care because they can't afford to pay for medical insurance, which is a whole other thing I could go off about, but that's not what this is. Understand the argument you're actually making and pay the fuck attention to who you're saying it to. You might think, oh, this could, this doesn't happen to them. Bullshit. It's happening to the person to your left, to your right. It's happening to your neighbors. Like, don't... 
I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. And I felt like this needed to be addressed because so many of the humans in this country are spouting off talking points, bullet points that they know nothing about. They haven't actually broken down the money and they don't know what they're saying. Pe the peasant, the, it's the peasant's revolt. And I'm, I'm included in that. You want me to put my life at risk, Karen, so you can take away a dollar from the till every time I'm not back to you fast enough, but you can't look around and see how many other Karens are in the same space at the exact same time, and I'm not a genie, and I can't be everywhere all at once. You don't want to pay attention to that? Well, you also are the same person who's making comments like, yeah, get rid of the 300, force them back into work. Why? So they can make money they can't live on? And you know what else you didn't factor in, Karen, is that a lot of the places that were that had arranged to be able to, I don't know, watch these people's children whilst they went to work for $7.25 an hour have either closed or if they had arrangements with their parents or other people, those people might have died from covid how dare you tell other people how they're supposed to be living when you're in your ivory tower? How dare you? And don't do it. If you don't know what you're talking about, shut up and listen. Ask. Because I'm telling you, it's people around you you didn't even know were affected by this. Over and above the people, the, the millions of people that have been buried during this time who are dead, full stop, over and above them. Maybe pay attention to the fact that the person that was serving you coffee at McDonald's that you got pissed at because ugh, they added sugar when you ordered it black. Maybe you should pay attention as to why so the turnover rate is so high and why so few people don't want to spend 35 to 32 to 35 hours a week somewhere just to be a thousand dollars short every month and not have an ounce of food in their bellies. This is normally something that I would not have brought up, but I've heard it so many times. And I hope to in the future with this podcast, I really do hope to not have any more episodes where I have to scream and be mean, but I don't know. I don't know. We showed our whole ass as a world, but certainly as a country, we showed our entire ass during this time. And if you are one of those people that is about to go back to a restaurant and snap your fingers and demand the best service and be, I want another fill in my water cups, blah, 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 really take a hard look at yourself because a lot of these people that you're going to, that are going to be waiting on you, a lot of them, their place may have stayed open during this time or opened early or opened before they were fully vaccinated or opened when it was still super risky and the demands that you put on another human, look in the mirror, do the, do the inner work, do your work, look at you before you start letting everybody else try and fix it for you or demanding that they do. Because often y'all turn to customer service workers and want them to fix it for you. No, pay someone from your exorbitant salary that is not unemployment, pay someone $125 an hour for the pleasure to listen to you and help you fix it. You are entitled to their help because you paid for it. Thank you all so much for listening. I am filled with rage. I'm hoarse. <laughs> I've recorded a lot today. But I'm really grateful that you all listened. If you listened all the way to the end, you found out it was a lot less math and a lot more screaming than you anticipated. 
as I've continued to mention, but I just want to mention one more time, in the show notes, you will see links to the articles that helped inform this, these stats and the numbers that I got together. And um, I just, if you can find somewhere that fact checks me on any of this stuff, you always know that you can email me at, or email the podcast at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com and it will get to me. And if you want more screaming bonus content, you can always find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Gaffney. And dear God, remember, during this time, as things start to open back up and comedy's back and live events are back and we're all just having the best, most ridiculous time, if you can't afford to tip, stay the fuck home because no one has the capacity to deal with your bullshit. Oh, you don't like a tipped system? Change the federal minimum wage to something people can live on. And if you can't change the federal minimum wage, if you have a business, pay your employees. Because to end this episode, I'm going to read a handful of tweets because I'm unoriginal. I don't care. I know Robert Reich is a very controversial Twitter personality, but I find his tweets good. And if you're going to cancel me for that, I don't. I haven't done a deep dive. I've only paid attention to his labor stuff. So if it turns out he's racist and terrible, I will edit. I will retroactively edit him out of this episode. But there are a couple tweets that I want to read of his. He said, Reminder, if wages had kept pace with productivity gains since 1968, the current minimum wage would be more than $24 an hour. 15 is the floor, not the ceiling, of what working people deserve. He then went on to say, because MSNBC had posted, after raising employee wages to $15 an hour, Clavari's Ice Cream Parlor in Pittsburgh received well over 1,000 applications for job openings. And Robert said, there is no labor shortage. There's a living wage shortage. When you pay people what they're worth, they'll want to work for you. And again, 15 is the baseline. And Mother Jones had said McDonald's workers are seeking, McDonald's workers are striking for a $15 minimum wage. We supported McDonald's through the pandemic, they said, and now you need to pay us enough to support our families and our communities. That's right, Mother Jones. And then Robert, in response to that, said solidarity with fast food workers striking across the country to demand McDonald's pay every one of their employers $15, a $15 living wage. I urge you, don't cross the picket line. Stand against starvation wages everywhere. It's literal starvation wages. I explained it in this episode. And another tweet from L. Trotsky21 said, I went out and surveyed my town for worker shortages. Jobs paying $30 an hour or more, no shortage. 25 to 30 an hour, no shortage. 20 to 25 an hour, no shortage. 15 to 20 an hour, a couple help wanted signs. Jobs paying less than 15 an hour, shortage. If only there were a solution, folks. And then the biggest, the thing that's getting a lot of heat. Well, there's, I have two more, but the thing that's getting a lot of heat right now is steak 48 is, I guess it's, I think it's in New York. It's some like fancy restaurant and they're claiming that they're going to charge, charge a minimum of a hundred dollars per person when you go there. And so someone, Kate, her name is Skylar. Oh, 1973. KT is her Twitter handle or her Twitter name. It's, I can't read it. I'm so sorry. It's Slayer, Slayer, 1973. Anyway, she wrote, so if Steak 48 is going to change the minimum to 100 per person, then does this mean they will be raising wages for employees too? And someone named 
Stonsky or MC Co- MD Coach 21 said that's exactly what Stake 48 just did. People come in and only spend 40 to 50 bucks means you're only getting eight to ten dollars in tips. You have a table with a 200 to 300 dollar check tab, then guess what? Bigger check typically means a bigger tip. Then finally, Dan Price, who is a CEO who has who dropped his CEO salary so that he could pay his employees a living benefit and has been on featured on everything. And he's a delight. There's no I mean, maybe I would be wrong, but I don't think this dude's controversial. But he tweeted restaurant workers have had a minimum wage of 213 plus tips in 1991. Restaurant workers have a minimum wage of 213 plus tips today. In 1991, average rent was $600 a month. Now it's 1600. I don't know. But this might be part of the explanation for why restaurants can't find servers and then he said chain restaurants weird we've tried everything to get workers dirt wages no benefits work schedules that are wildly inconsistent but you can get a free appetizer what more can we do because applebee's is offering this thing called apps for apps and it's a it's a free appetizer that you can get when you fill out an application to work there now i understand i get it right i get what the incentive is but healthcare is great so is a living wage I mean, the hoop, if if you want to pay attention to anything, if you want to ignore everything else I've said, if you've made it this far, God bless you. If you want to ignore everything else I've said, all you need to pay attention to is the hoops that these places are jumping through to avoid paying people a living wage. I don't want cheese sticks. I want to know what the pain in my fucking side is without having to Google it and think I can just push it in if it's a hernia. I don't have a hernia, but you see what I mean? So folks, that's this rage. This is another one of probably many rage filled episodes of this podcast. And this went a lot longer than I thought I was going to talk, but I have some feelings. And if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Please tell your friends that it's not always just me screaming. (laughs) And please pay attention to your friends in all aspects of life, we can just stand to be kinder to one another, but that feels too general and that's too easy to just write off as a platitude. Pay attention to your friends that work in customer service, especially as they go back during this time. I have asked my friends that are back in restaurants, you know, have tips been better, have has treatment been better? And I've gotten a resounding it's worse. That isn't always true, but we're doing averages on this podcast. And the majority that I have heard is that it, it has been worse because people's fuses are shorter and their expectations are greater because they got all of this time out of the restaurant and bar culture and they thought you did too. And a lot of my friends did not. I did, but a lot of my friends did not. So anyway, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service From Hell, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, remind them this, this is not an always occurrence. And send us an email with your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as I always say, but is what rings true more now so than ever? Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way because it is. And show some people some kindness right now, y'all. You need it. They need it. Nobody's making money they can survive on. And finally, the thing, the last thing I'll say about unemployment is... You might want to consider that for the first time in a lot of people's lives who have worked in customer service for the entirety of their lives, they made a sort of living wage, sort of. They got a taste of what removing that stress of having to have four jobs actually feels like, and they thought, huh, this might be a better quality of life. 
So that could be why people have not only left the industry, but are also having a hard time swallowing, going back to a setting that required them to work four jobs, never see their families, and trade childcare so that they could afford to just barely make rent. I'm probably not done preaching, but that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Good night. Also, side note, I did this all in one take. So if this ends up being a jumbled, jumbled, garbled mess, as this excuse outro is also a jumbled, garbled mess, apologies. I couldn't do two takes of this. I'm too tired. It's just it's and it's a subject that's probably not healthy for me. So I did one take. Okay, thanks. <laughs>